The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives. I'm Maureen O'Connor and this week in studio we have a real live sex coach. Her name is Maisha Battle. She is normally based in San Francisco, although she's in town this week. And she is also the host of a sexual advice podcast called Down for Whatever. Hi, Maisha. Hello. How did you become a sex coach? I've always been interested in sex, and Mm -hmm. I've always had an aptitude for talking to people about sex. My parents weren't very, for better or for worse, um, sheltering in that regard. So I felt like I was always above the curve when... They were pretty open. Yeah, they didn't hide anything from me. And Mm -hmm. so it came time for sex ed in like middle school. And I actually grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. I had... This crazy experience where moms knew that there was going to be a sex education curriculum implemented in our middle school. Mm -hmm. And they like stayed up all night sharpieing through the textbook that we had to censor it, to censor it. What were they censoring out? It was weird. I mean, what happened was we were we would all just like look through the pages and you can see like <laughs> what was, you know, scribbled out or whatever. It was b- totally benign stuff. But even at that point, I was like, this is fucked up. Why is this being hidden from us? Why mm-hmm. is this something that people aren't talking about? And uh, later on in middle school, I got trained as a peer counselor. And lo and behold, all of my friends were coming to me and talking to me about, you know, Everything under the sun, but mostly dating, mostly Uh dating stuff and dilemmas that they were experiencing and they had no one to turn to. So I had to, like, figure things out on the fly and help them out. So I've been giving advice since I was like a kid. Uh Um, And then fast forward to college, I studied health education, um, really focused on sexual health with that, studied abroad in Amsterdam, got like an immersive experience in sex and gender. (laughs) And uh, it took me a while to come back to the field. But in 2012, I got my master's in psych because I wanted to branch out on my own and have my own business and get in a room with people again and start talking to them about their sex lives, which is actually how the podcast started, too. Mm -hmm. What does a sex coach do? Essentially, sex coaching is the marriage between sexology, the study of sex, Mm -hmm. and the practice of coaching. So life coaching, wellness coaching, they all use the same framework where you establish very clear goals of what you want to work towards and your coach helps you along the way. And if you fall behind or you have, you know, difficulty, we're there to sort of champion your experience and get you to that goal. So that's kind of what sex coaching is in general, but what a sex coach does varies depending on the person. And that's something that I was a little bit unsure of when I pursued this. So after my master's, I thought about getting my PhD and becoming a certified sex therapist. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, fuck that. That's too many years. And like, seriously, I just really wanted to like start doing this work. It felt like it had been building up inside of me for so long. Um, and I was contacted by Dr. Patty Britton, who is the founder of Sex Coaching. She's amazing. She's been in the sex uh, education field forever. She's been everything. What does it mean that she founded Sex Coaching? She basically came up with this modality. Mm-hmm. This is her baby. So she founded Sex Coach U, which is the training program that I went through. Um, she's also the founder of Sexology U and the World Association of Sex Coaches. So um, I got training through her. And I was worried that what it would mean to be a sex coach is that I would be put in situations where 
I would have to touch someone or um, engage in them in such a way that that would maybe cross my own personal boundaries with the work that I wanted to do, because that Mm -hmm. to me wasn't what my calling was. And there are people that I've met in this community for whom that is their calling and they're fucking amazing, but it's just not, it's not me. So my practice is talk only and the sex coaching training that I received is all talk only, but there's sexological body work and they also can use coaching and they're hands on. So wait, sexological body work. Yeah. What is, what is that? So um, it can be anything from someone who is a certified massage therapist also working with energies and healing modalities in a sexual capacity to help their clients overcome a sexual concern. Mm -hmm. Um, So those would be more hands on. And then there are people like Betty Dodson, who I don't even know if she would consider herself a coach, (laughs) but she does call herself hands on and hands in. Yes, that's true. I mean, she seems like a coach in that when you read about, say, her like female masturbation workshop, everybody sits there and they masturbate and she says, hey, you know, keep going. You might want to go faster or whatever she's advising them on. Right. And I think of hands on as being not literally hands on. Well, yeah. I don't know how she she, does that. She she is. So Mm -hmm. that's the difference, too. So hands on would be like you've heard of the orgasmic meditation Mm -hmm. folks. So they facilitate these experiences and they teach. But you have a partner there. And so they're really just providing the space to explore sexuality in like a container. They're providing that container. So it's considered hands on in that case because there are hands and they are on a body and yes. things are sexual things are happening in that room. Even at if that the time. professional is not literally touching that. Correct. Correct. Got it. And then there's also, you know, the Betty Dotson modality, hands on, hands in, where she is touching you, guiding you, showing you. Um, and yeah, she's she's amazing. So she's she's Dr. Patty's um, mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so to be hands off like you, <laughs> yeah. what is what does that mean? That means that I really work with people around issues within a relationship. And also I see dating clients a lot. So um, most of the time they're just questioning whether or not they're normal. So in a lot of ways, I'm a support for them to experience what they're experiencing and have acceptance around it. It's a lot of permission giving. It's a lot of education and it's a lot of goal setting and trying to get them from point A to point B. Can you give me sort of a concrete example just so we can imagine the type of dilemma someone might have and what the coaching process is like? I work with a lot of women who find a disconnect between the sex that they have with themselves and sex with a partner. Mm -hmm. So they might be single or dating and just really having a challenge with translating their experience with masturbation into the bedroom Mm -hmm. with another person. And so what we do is try to hammer out, like, what are the things that are actually happening for you during masturbation? And how can we give word to that so that when you're in that situation where a guy's like, what do you want? Or a girl's like, what do you want? You can give concrete steps of like, I want this and I need this. And my clit needs to be stimulated this way Mm -hmm. because they're the only ones who have that knowledge. And I think that there's a lot of expectation when two bodies get into a room that things are just going to happen. And the communication piece can be so crucial to Mm -hmm. making that a successful encounter. In that regard, I would give assignments for the woman to go home masturbate, take notes, 
you know, depending on the situation, sometimes she might have a disconnect with her body completely. So we'd work around that um, and then get her to a place where she can understand how to articulate the things that her body needs to be aroused and to be fully present in the moment. How sort of granular or specific do you get when you're talking about these things with your clients? Very. <laughs> so you get right down to, to like, yeah. so, how, you know, two strokes to the left. OK, here's your script for when you're in the bedroom with this person. Right. And sometimes it's more about the empowerment of just saying, pay more attention to my clit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's the biggest issue that I, that I see out in the world of, <laughs> of dating and in, and, and in general, just women feeling like they don't have that power in the moment. That they're somehow maybe emasculating their male partners by saying what they want when they want it. Even when that question of what do you want is asked, mm -hmm. there's still this holding back. Like, you know exactly what you want. You want him to. I actually had one client recently that I was like, we're just going to practice saying go for the clit. Like, just, <laughs> you know, practice on me. Like, I'm going to ask you, what do you want? And you tell me, go for the clit, you know. So that's one exercise. Just the practice of it. because. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times where people don't have any practice and then they're in rooms with people and totally tongue tied and not sure what they should say and not sure how they should approach what could be a very sensitive situation. Mm -hmm. Do you always see one person at a time? Do you ever see couples? Yeah, I see couples as mm -hmm. well. And um, the main concern with couples is desire mismatch. Mm -hmm. So one wanting more sex, one wanting less than what the other partner is wanting. So, yeah, we work around that, too. Is there any good way to deal with that other than compromise? Right. So the compromises can look very different okay. depending on the couple. So with someone who wants more sex, we have to tease out what that means. Is it more, you know, is it more frequency? Is it more intimacy? Is it uh, longer sessions? Is it, you know, um, sex during the week instead of sex on the weekends? You know, like, how can we pepper things in to make it more enjoyable for both parties? And you're right. What it comes down to is compromise. But it's just the nature of it's the, the nature of the compromise. Yeah. Is are you ever surprised or are you have, have you sort of seen it all anticipate roughly everything? No, I'm constantly surprised. <laughs> I'm constantly surprised. And I think that that's because of my approach to sex and dating. And what's your approach? I definitely just follow my gut into ridiculous situations or I have <laughs> in the past. And um and I'm an, an incredibly sexual person. So I also like have said some crazy shit to guys in the heat of the moment where I'm like, no, this is a shared experience. So mm -hmm. like we're going to we're going to stop. <laughs> we're going to stop. You're going to stop what you're doing. And we're going to talk about what's what's really happening and how this can unfold. So, they got to pay you for those services. I mean, That's your coaching. Th that was before I was certified, Maureen. I mean, if I could go back and get some back pay from these dudes, I would definitely uh, do that. But one of the requirements for my sex coach training program is that we attend a sexual attitudes restructuring slash reassessment, a SAR. Um, there's a book coming out very soon about it. Um, but basically, you get into a room with a bunch of people and you watch porn and you talk about your feelings about what you just saw. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. And 
and it's all different and uh-huh. it's you know that is different. so simultaneously that i'm like oh my god that sounds like the most like hard thing to do in the world and yet i am so curious yeah i think you would definitely love a sar <laughs> they have them like they have them around so i need to can, find one yeah. immediately yeah <laughs> bring a microphone okay <laughs> so i was kind of primed for my star because when I lived in New York, I went to the um, feminist porn show, which was uh-huh. amazing. And that was the first time that I'd ever been in like a theater full of people watching a bunch of different porn. And it, and it was different. It was feminist porn. And I was like, this is my jam. Yeah. Differently abled people, different body types, you know, S&M and like just shit that I'd never seen before. One of the things that was so beautiful was this elderly couple mm-hmm. that they showed uh, like porn of and the passion that these two had for one another was crazy. We we're like, oh, so they just cast like an elderly, you know, like mm-hmm. an elderly gentleman and an elderly woman. No, they, they'd been like partners for 40 years. They were a real I was couple. like, damn, this is intense. <laughs> it can happen. Like, I so, wonder. So good. What it was like in the beginning for them. I don't know. Did it build to that? Like, did they start out slow or were they always at that pace? Were they just wild in their youth? Who knows? They could be. But they can go either direction. I honestly do think, I mean, as much as I think, particularly given the way our relationships most frequently happen in our, you know, the world we live in, where you meet someone and you're like hot and crazy in the beginning and it tapers off. Although I have definitely met people and spoken to people whose sex lives built to a crescendo over the years. Yeah. And I think part of that is like shedding a lot of the shit that you come to a relationship with, you know, Mm -hmm. all the things that you feel you have to be when you are actually loved and truly accepted for who you are, then that's sort of where the magic can happen. Yeah. You know, you can be like, well, I know that I can trust this person and open up to them and request that they peg me, you know, or I can, I can tell them that I want a, four hour sex session the next time I see them. You know, I've there's space, I think, for play, but people forget that. But yeah. That's actually what we well, should be building towards, I think. It's whether you assume that your relate your sex life freezes at the moment of the relationship beginning, right? That like yeah. whether you assume that exploration occurs without that and then it like it sort of holds still and you're in some status quo. Or whether yeah, you assume that you're going somewhere together or doing something together. Whether you're like, well, it's this body for the rest of my life, so I guess we got to do everything now. Right. <laughs> What's left? <laughs> Hi there. Uh, I'm Megan. Hi, Megan. So this is Maureen, and we've got Maisha here, too. Hi. Hi. Ask your question for Maisha. My question is about, so um, I've been with my boyfriend for almost six years. And he is wonderful. He's amazing. He is truly like my best friend. Um, And we have great sex. The thing is that he, I'm always trying to like, you know, what do you want me to do? Like, do you like this? Do you like that? Like trying to do different things. And he pretty much has told me straight up, the only thing he likes is penetration. And that pretty much everything else is just like whatever for him. And so... It's kind of frustrating because I feel like I need I need foreplay and you know I need him to do that stuff and he he does it but it's like it's not like the thing for him like it doesn't I mean he gets excited but he just really wants intercourse and anyway I guess I'm just looking for some different ways that I could like approach him about this because most of the time it's like he doesn't make eye contact when we're talking about it 
Um, like he seems almost like shameful about it. So yeah, I guess that's my question. That's a great question. And you acknowledging that this might be an area that's really hard for him to talk about is really good. So Mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge that. And I also want to acknowledge that you are having the strength to broach this with him over and over again, because it's important to you. And that's, (laughs) that's something that that I want to commend you on because some people might give up after the first couple of times of bringing that to their partner's attention. <laughs> Tell me about how sex was for you when you guys first got together. Was there foreplay in the beginning or no? Yeah, no, for sure there was. I mean, it was just really intense and like right away when I met him, like there was a lot of like amazing energy. And so I mean, we've always had really interesting sex. Like he is kind of into like more like ass stuff, which I wasn't, I hadn't really done before I'd even met him. And, you know, I've kind of grown to like that, some of it. And so I feel like we've, we enjoy floor play, but I know I want him to enjoy it more. And I don't know, I don't know how to do that or if that's even possible or, you know, if I should just get over it, you know. You definitely shouldn't get over it. But what I'm hearing is that there's an underlying need on your behalf. But I think like given your history of trying to broach this with him and not having any action associated with that, I think setting aside a time to really talk to him and say, hey, I really want to talk to you about um, our sex life and do just like a check in. And I'd love for that Mm -hmm. to be a time when the two of us can talk about what's working and what's not working. And sort of take his temperature on that and see, like, how he would respond to to you saying, like, I would really like for a session to just be about, like, my pleasure. Are you open to that? Can we create that together? Cool. Yeah, how does I'll that feel? That. No, no, that feels good. I mean, I've even said to him before, like, you know, it like certain times when he'll just not really even pay attention to me at all when we're having sex. I'm like, that's cool. That's for you. That was okay. But I need you to have it be for me sometimes too. You know, right. I really need right. That. But I probably need to be more like, and probably not bring it up like right after sex. That's probably a really bad Yeah. It's a charged, it charged time. Yeah. But yeah, setting aside a time yeah. in the future, that's also a really good way mm-hmm. to sort of set the container. Like, hey, I want to talk to you about our our sex life and have a check-in, like when's good for you, so that there's some sort of framework to that. But also being really clear that there is a need that you have to feel pleasure, to feel like the priority, Mm -hmm. to have eye contact, to have more foreplay. And I think having all of those specifics lined out for him is really important because saying more foreplay, it's really vague. So generalized. Yeah. Yeah. Maisha, how specific should she be when she has that conversation? I think, like, if you're asking for more oral sex, you have to say, I need more oral sex. If his skills with oral sex are up to par and you just want more of it, then that is appro- <laughs> that's totally fine to just say, like, I want you to go down on me more. It could be as specific as, like, I need you to go down on me for 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, like, that could be something that you play around with and just see where it goes because... You're co-creating an experience. Your pleasure is his pleasure. I feel like he'll also enjoy that with you. You know what I mean? If he knows specifically what it is that that you're asking for. But it can be really overwhelming if you know that your partner is looking for something more in an experience, but they're not really telling you 
what it is that they right. want. So I, I feel I feel him in this situation, but I feel for you more because, girl, you need to get that, you know? Yeah. Well, thank yes. you for your help. I appreciate it. Yeah. Set up a time, have a chat, see what he's open to, and I think it will be um, illuminating. Do you think it's too much to ask him to say, like, you know, I really want you to go down there and, like, look around and... Because I feel like sometimes it's like, you know, guys, they go down on you and they're just like tongue everywhere. And you're like, you need to actually. Okay. So that's really great. So you have a very specific suggestion and that's great. Incorporate that in into the ask. I want to set aside time where like you go down on me for 10 to 15 minutes. And I'd love for it to be like something where you're really paying attention to to what my body is responding to and I can talk to you through it and we can we can move through it together. Tell him a sex coach told you to do it. And uh, <laughs> hopefully that will <laughs> light a fire under his ass and be like, oh, um, yeah. And then please feel free to email me too at Maisha at MaishaBattle.com and just let me know how that that conversation goes. OK, cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, yeah. my pleasure. Thanks for calling in, Megan. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. I love the show. I'm really sad that's going to be over. So I know we are too, but we're glad that look, you're you're getting something really concrete out of this now. <laughs> that's right. Awesome. Thank, well, thank you. you guys. So we have another caller who um, left a message who isn't able to talk to us, but let's take a listen, and I'd love to hear what your advice for her is. Great. Hi, my name is Morgan. Um, I'm 22 years old, and I was calling because I've tried to figure this out like all my life. But um, I've never been able to orgasm with another person, um, and I'm bisexual, so I've had, like, a bunch of different partners, men and women, and it's just never happened for me. So, yeah. Thanks. Bye. I realize that's sort of a short message, Maisha, but where should she start? Where does one start when you're trying to figure that out? So I've actually had clients that that don't know that they are actually having orgasms. Um, oh. So that is something to consider. There's such a wide range and spectrum for women in their experience of orgasming. And I think that our culture imposes an expectation of what that orgasm should look and feel like and sound like. So that's one thing to consider. Wait, tell me more about that. <laughs> People are orgasming and not knowing? or Yeah, I mean, there are kind of like sleepers, you know. There, there are these very low-level uh, contractions that can happen. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the throes of passion, you might not even recognize them as an oh. orgasm. And so... I am a firm believer in individual difference. There's there's a very wide range of experience of orgasm. And for women, it's crazy. Like we can we have access to so many different types of orgasms. But there are those for whom the big explosive pull your hair out, you know, mm-hmm. knock the lamp off the bedside table orgasm isn't going to be as accessible to them. So like say somebody who that during partnered sex, their orgasms are just lower or how is there a way to kick yourself up into the into the pull your hair out screaming yeah. orgasms um yes and that involves working with someone to kind of distinguish like is that her experience because i'm not saying that it is mm-hmm. i'm just throwing that out or is it that she is what they have called anorgasmic or what we like to call in sex coach world pre-orgasmic So you haven't had one yet. It's not that you can't, but Mm -hmm. that you might be pre-orgasmic. And in that case, we would look at a lot of things. With sex coaching, you're not just looking at a person's physiological response and what they're telling you, but you're looking at 
what are their thoughts and their beliefs about sex? Because those affect how we experience pleasure in the moment. What are their thoughts and ideas about their body and how they live in this world in their body? Because that's also a blockage for a lot of people especially women. What are their past experiences with sexual assault? Again, disproportionately affects women, can be a psychological block for women to experience orgasm. And then energetic, like, do you just not have the the energy to orgasm? And that is something that happens with people who are really, really stressed out. Um, mm-hmm. And they want that relief, but their mind is busy and they're focused on that goal. So one of the things that we try to do in sex coaching also is redirect people away from the orgasm and into the experience of pleasure. So what are you experiencing rather than focusing on that goal? What are you experiencing right now that feels super good? What are the things that can change? How can you work with your partner to change those things for you and with you? And take the focus away from that end-all, be-all that we've all been told. Because as we were talking earlier, as relationships change and develop, that's one of the things that seems to to peter off or to dampen with age is the experience of orgasm. Oh, no. So (laughs) (laughs) it's not always the case, but it is something that happens. And I think that we could all do a better job of not having that as the focus because sex is so much more than Mm -hmm. that explosive orgasmic, you know, pulling the sheets off the bed. So do you advise people to not make such a big deal of orgasm then in their... A lot of times, yes, because what happens when you free yourself from thinking about the goal, you can be in the moment to the extent that you're getting more aroused and you are more likely to get to orgasm. It's a little bit of a catch 22. (laughs) Like It's like, don't think about the thing that you Mm -hmm. want and you can more easily access the thing that you want. I think that as you just said that the pointed out that say with age orgasms, what they become well, they can like or they can become more difficult to access. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. For all of the like women's magazines telling me how to stay beautiful in old age and all that stuff, I don't give a fuck about any of that. Right. But I really do care <laughs> if I'm going to lose orgasms. Well, pra- what can pra- one do? Practice makes perfect, and that's the other thing. So, if someone came to me and they were like, "Okay, I think I'm having an orgasm, but I think it's really like low grade," mm-hmm. one thing that we could work to do is strengthen pelvic muscles um, so that the contractions can become stronger, and that makes it feel better too. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you do the thing with the Benoit balls and whatnot, like, yeah. or um, you do your Kegels, your, your Kegels. orgasms will get better? Yes. Or can? And, and that holds for women and for men. Oh. Men can have stronger ejaculations, harder erections if they practice Kegels. It is it is tried and true. What else can we do to make our orgasms better? Um, well, I've written about female ejaculation, and that is... That is another question that we got from... <laughs> People who didn't necessarily want to call in or have their voices on the record. But okay. yes, tell tell us about squirting. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I'm a squirter. So that's something that I can share that I... From from the get-go? Pretty or... much from the get-go. Wow. Yeah. And when I was younger, it was a little bit. And now it's like Niagara Falls, basically. Wow. Yeah. So um, that's something that I have experience with. And I wrote about this because um, I actually like sort of unlocked it. Mm -hmm. through Pilates because you're training your core. And then I was like dating all these guys in New York and like having crazy ejaculations. 
And I was like, I just think I'm really fucking strong down there. <laughs> like, I think that's what's happening. Because your core is strong, so you're just pushing out all the liquids? Well, so yes. Yeah. So every woman has the gland that builds up the fluid. Uh-huh. Um, that's the skein's gland. Mm-hmm. And it's located on the top wall of the vaginal cavity. Um, when it is aroused, it becomes ridged. So you can feel it, your partner can feel it. And that's actually like once it becomes ridged like that and hard, you can stimulate it and it will produce the ejaculation. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that is the great mystery solved. I mean, that's really that's really all it is. It's, it is kind of a, a magical thing because they have shown that if you if you do work that area, mm-hmm. meaning that you're ejac- like the more you ejaculate, the more you ejaculate. Like yeah. it, it does oh. grow. It's an organ that kind of will grow. And that's one of the things that that if someone is like, I'm having a perfectly fine sex life, I just am really feeling exploratory. My exploratory clients are my favorite because uh-huh. then you get to like give them crazy ass assignments. Like, <laughs> Go to sex shops and like try to find your skeins gland and try to ejaculate. Ready to unlock the next yeah, level. Yeah, I'm ready to yeah, take my game to a next level. Yeah. What else is there? What else do you advise people to? Well, a lot of people come to me with guilt or shame about certain desires that they have. And they want someone to support them in their exploration of that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it could just be giving someone an assignment, like I said earlier, to go to a sex shop that, you know, specifically addresses that niche that they're looking to Mm -hmm. explore to give them permission to go there and to give them an assignment to peruse, look, touch, have an experience and come back and report. Because all of those things are so important to owning our own desires and being able to enact them in a safe, sane in consensual way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's that's the case with my clients who are looking to, like, explore BDSM. You know, I'm not going to send them to a sex club right away. Yeah. You know, like, there are baby steps that have to kind of happen for them to gain some ownership. Or we have to talk about, okay, well, what specifically are you drawn to about this? Like, yeah, is it the restraints aspect? Is it more the material? Like, are you more just needing to invest in some leather? Like, do you have that in your budget? How can we <laughs> how can we build a savings plan so you can invest in some, you know, leather? So it, it can get down to, like, that granular uh, level. This is such a, like, organization kid, like, millennial thing that I'm like, what are the achievements? What yeah. other badges can I get from yeah. sex? Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot. And... It varies so much from person to person based on your experience and where you are in your life. You mm-hmm. know, what are some other things that I don't know? Are there like crazy levels of orgasm that I don't even know about? yet? Well, I don't specialize in Tantra, but that is something that there are folks out there who are coaches who who really work with their clients on breath work, breath control. And that can really deepen your experience. And then there's also edging. So like prolonging the orgasm, not letting yourself orgasm until it builds up to this critical point. There are levels. There are next Hmm. levels. Yeah. Crazy. I also don't want to actually work that hard. (laughs) This is I'm just curious what's out there in theory. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I myself am too lazy to even deal with like washing a bed sheet or like getting my moisture wicking whatever (laughs) is. But in theory, I want to know. (laughs) 
Amazon. What, what is happening at all the other levels? <laughs> yeah, a lot. And I think that that's like the best. There's always more. Yeah, that's the best part of my job is someone might come to me and say, like, I'm in an open relationship and we go to sex clubs regularly and we want to know, like, what else? And it's my job to be able to, like, refer them to someone who can, like, take them to some other level because they're already living living a life i'm like well does she Mm -hmm. squirt you know like i can help with stuff like that um but like i said with tantra like i don't have a background in that Uh and that seems to be again like a a whole other world of experiencing Mm -hmm. deep pleasure and connection are there ever people that come to you and you advise them to chill out stop trying to reach the next goal not yet not Mm. yet i do tend to attract millennials who want that sense of achievement. Um, <laughs> Trophies. And yeah, and I see that with my dating clients a lot too. Um, and I'm very proud of all of my clients for wanting that and for getting what they want out of life because what the fuck are we doing here if we're not trying to <laughs> have more experiences that make us better human beings and happier human beings and more fulfilled. So yeah, I think for the most part, I haven't had any outlandish requests, mm-hmm. I guess, to answer your question. Hmm. They've mostly been reasonable, things that people actually feel like they can yeah. achieve with me. I'll brainstorm and okay. see if I can come up with something yeah, that you'll finally say, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> but then I'll know that you won't. don't actually want to do it. Yeah, I know. It's all a lie. <laughs> I can dream. Yes. Well, that's it for Sex Lives. Thanks so much to our guest, Maisha Battle. Thank you so much for having me, Maureen. <laughs> this has been really, really fun. Yeah. And uh, Maisha, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? They can go to MaishaBattle.com. Everything that they need to know about me is there, including links to my podcast, Down for Whatever. And on social, it's at MaishaBattle. A quick reminder that anybody who wants to call in and chat with Sex Lives, you can always reach us at our voicemail box at 646-494-3590. However, Sex Lives is coming to an end. We have three more episodes. So if you do call in, we're asking you to call in with thoughts on breaking up. What is the best way to break up with a podcast, a significant other? What is the etiquette of a breakup? And what is the shittiest thing some ex-boyfriend did to you during a breakup? Love to hear all those stories. That number is 646-494-3590. Sex Lives is produced by Afim Shapiro and Jordan Bell. Thanks also to Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week.